Welcome everybody, you're listening to the Sack Attack Fantasy Football Podcast and the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. Today we are joined with our very special guest, Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show. How's it going, Smitty? What's up, man? How's it going? Doing well. Been wanting to get you on the show for a while. Glad to finally have the chance to do so. Um, So Beans, we're going to try and kind of squeeze in some time here with you. We'll just go ahead and go on with some of, one of the best games of the week. Uh, we're going to go Vikings-Saints. Saints beat the Vikings 52-33. Overall, very high-scoring game. I, I feel like I want to get your take on the best player of the game by far, Kamara, who had an outstanding day, 22 rushing attempts, 155 rushing yards, and six touchdowns. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts are for Kamara heading into 2021 season. How do you view him? Is he a top three running back pick, top three overall pick? What's your thoughts? You know, it's funny because that you bring this up because I'm I'm constantly debating people on in my comments of all my social media, uh, whether it's TikTok or or Instagram or whatever. But when I pose the question, where do you guys have Camara? Or hey, here's where I have Camara. I get nothing but you know. I of course like maybe half the people are into the topic that give their opinion. They they don't get all upset about it. And then there's like half the people that go, you don't even know if Breeze is going to be back. How can you predict this? Or how can you do this? And it's like, I'm in the fantasy football prediction business. I've done this for 17 years now. And the reason I got into fantasy football to begin with, and I've, you know, pioneered a lot of stuff, but I'm old, man. Uh, been doing this since I was, you know, early 20s. And and so I, I got tired of people not having content in January, February, March, April. I got tired of people waiting until rookies land with their their landing spots before you start predicting who's going to be the best rookie. So I love this topic. I love talking about Alvin Kamara when you don't know if it's Taysom Hill under center or some other quarterback. Maybe they give Winston a try. Maybe Breeze comes back. We don't know, but we have to predict. And you can adapt and adjust. No one's asking anybody in a redraft setting to go draft the guy right now. But in Dynasty startups, people do draft in February, March, April, and they follow along with the NFL uh, timelines and, and, and schedules and everything. So it's an important topic, and, and redraft-only people get all upset about it. I'm like, dude, I've got I've to cover this topic for people that are drafting in March. My take on it, my long-winded take on it, is that right now we don't know. We, we know that Taysom Hill, when he entered the lineup, casted a lot of doubt about Kamara's future value. Is Kamara going to be able to sustain top five overall value without the receptions that clearly have been missing as of late? Even when Breeze came back this week, the receptions weren't there. Alvin Kamara caught three passes, but he ran 22 times for 155 yards and six TDs, averaging seven yards a carry. He can be a between-the-tackles running back. Now, you don't want him to be a 1,200, 1,300, 1,400-yard rusher if he's going to also be given the volume and the receiving game that he probably physically can't. But you don't want to overwork him. So you got to pick and choose. Is he going to be more of a running back than a receiver? Is he going to be an equal hybrid like he's been in the past? Either way, I feel like it works itself out. It's going to balance out whether he runs more, whether he goes back to a 50-50 type split. It'll work out. A lot of it's been play calling. So when Taysom Hill comes in, they didn't have a whole offseason to prepare Taysom Hill as a starter. So they had to adapt and do some makeshift offensive stuff to get Taysom Hill ready. It's Taysom's been in there all year, but not as a starting quarterback. So everybody's judging the usage, the play calling, Alvin Kamara's value based on Taysom Hill having to adapt to this offense. I think they're they're having knee-jerk reactions to Kamara's ultimate value if they decide to run more in 2021. I think he's fine. I think it's a top three lock. I don't care if it's Taysom Hill, Winston, or whoever, he's going to be fine. Yeah, I would actually agree with that a lot. Um, we've seen with the workload that he gets, and sure, sure, he lacked the receiving volume, but like you said, he doesn't necessarily need it if he's scoring six rushing touchdowns in a game. You, you know what I find the most funny is last year everybody was super down on Alvin Kamara and last year I had him kind of bold but he was my number one RB ranked into the year over Barkley he was my favorite player and my main reasoning 
was that he would get receptions. He's on a Drew Brees-led offense, Saints offense, really good team. But last year, to say the least, it was just a little bit disappointing. Uh, he only had six rushing touchdowns, six touchdowns overall, I believe. And he was just overall disappointing. Then he shows up against the Vikings of all teams, the same team that that um, knocked the Saints out of the playoffs twice in terrible fashion. Um, then Alvin Kamara goes for six against them, which is the same amount that he had all of last year. So if you ask me, uh, Alvin Kamara had a bounce back year, and I don't see I don't see any slowing down for him. And I agree. Well, it, it to me. And, well, this is. Go ahead, sorry. All right, sorry. For, so for me, it doesn't really matter who the QB is. As long as Sean Payton's there, I feel like he's going to be able to still be a pretty safe top 10 running back. So with the upside that he has, I feel like a top three pick isn't too far out of the question. Yeah, and the other thing people need to remember is that it, this with Christian McCaffrey, you know, heading into 2021, everyone's going to – I see a big correlation between McCaffrey's 2020 – and Alvin Kamara's 2019. Alvin Kamara was banged up. He had lingering injuries. He was never fully 100%. Started to look to form, I believe, the last two weeks of the season. Um, I, think, I think he finally got in the end zone. He wasn't scoring any touchdowns in the, the big part of the year, big stretch of the year until the very end. And, and people judged him based off of that 2019, assuming the lingering injuries, the very small injuries, the ones that you could really say – you can't tie, you know, correlation to like, you know, long-term health problems or, or the fact that he's going to miss like six games a year based on those injuries. They're, they're the kind of injuries you don't worry so much about, especially with the running back that hasn't had the between the tackles mileage um, that some other running backs have had. Kamara didn't have that. There's not a lot of red flags to tie those injuries to the future, you know, uh, longevity of the guy, the lack thereof. And I think the same thing can be said about Christian McCaffrey He's been overworked for sure. No team has leaned on a running back more than they've leaned on than the Panthers have leaned on McCaffrey in the short time that McCaffrey's been top dog in the, in fantasy football. But he still hasn't had, I think, the amount of carries or workload, especially given that he splits his work up between receiving and rushing between the tackles to have me worry. And I think people that freak out about CMC's 2020 are going to be exactly in the same place that people were in 2020 freaking out about Camara's 2019. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And the funny thing you bring this up or this topic came up is that I'm doing a video on this very subject. Like you're going to hear a lot of what I'm saying now in the video that I've already recorded, which is crazy. Very interesting. Um, I do want to bring up one point about Christian McCaffrey though. Uh, like you mentioned about the whole injury situation, you can't really count that against him. Although, um, basic knowledge could have told us that we should have seen this coming. So um, back maybe a year ago, and it's kind of funny, but I can actually remember reading a certain article, and I can't remember where it was from, but it was, it, I believe it was called The Curse of 260 or 270, and it basically highlighted throughout running backs' careers that whenever a yeah. running back is getting like 260 or 270 or more touches that the next year they fall off massively. And Christian McCaffrey is getting well over that amount. So I feel like just he, using here, basic basic reasoning, we could have somewhat expected a decline, but I don't. I wasn't expecting as bad as it was this year. Yeah, it, the scarier stat is the actual carries. So if a running back gets a certain amount of carries, like if it's a 200, and, and I believe it, there's a certain number, but it's carries, not receptions, or not combined touches. So I think when you look at that stat, which is, been around for a while and it took it's taken out some of the biggest name running backs you you've ever seen and and demarco murray is a perfect example demarco murray breached whatever that exact total was but it's carries and mccaffrey does divide up his workload in a way like camara that it puts like you think about it if, if you're gonna if you're gonna run 12 times and catch you know seven passes and on those passes, you're running out of bounds on two of the plays. You're getting solo tackled by a small defensive back on two other plays. Um, you get hit by two defenders on another play, but one of them is a linebacker. One of them is a cornerback. It's very different than taking like Derrick Henry, 22 carries up the middle, getting piled on by multiple 300-pound linemen and having them drive you into the ground. It's a totally different, you know, stat when you're evaluating that. So you're very, you're very correct in that there is a number out there. I think it's 270 something. 
But for the most part, it's a scary thing when it's carries. And another thing, just real quickly, we're on the topic of, of, of funny things and frustrating things. And um, I just had somebody on, on, on uh, TikTok actually uh, try and blast me for saying Alvin Kamara. Like, the guy's been in the league for X number of years, and people are still pronouncing his name wrong. It's not Kamara, it's Kamara. And I put him on blast. I'm like, first of all, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're going at somebody and you don't have all the facts. He went in on and did an interview. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I believe it was in the offseason. And they asked him, how do you clear the air? How do you say your name? And he says, I say Kamara. And he said, I, I, that's how I say it. It rolls off the tongue better. And so the announcers or whoever's interviewing him is like, okay, great. Like, finally, we know. And he goes, but my mom says Kamara. <laughs> and, <laughs> I do and, it, and it was that. like, she's like, just when I thought you'd resolved it, like now what he goes, I don't know if she's right or if I'm right, but I like to say Kamara. And so there is no proper way to say it clearly. His mother says Kamara. He says Kamara. Everybody get off everybody's back and try and stop trying to be the, the grammar police on, on something you know nothing about. I just thought it was a funny story. So I, I put that person on blast on TikTok about five minutes ago before I jumped on this podcast. Wow. Yeah, no, actually, now that I think about it, I've probably said his name both times, even in this yeah. podcast. Like, I just, I haven't really <laughs> yeah. paid attention to it. Like, um, I'm sure whoever's listening, like, if you want to, you could back it up. You, you could see how many different ways I said Kamara or Kamara. You However, did. You did. I just did it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's, like, an interesting little, um, like, nobody yeah, really it's, knows. It's a funny topic, though. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, enough of the Alvin Kamara and uh, the Saints talk. Uh, we'll go on to another game. I feel like this one is up for some decent discussion. I feel like uh, Titans-Packers is an interesting one to bring up. So Packers score 40 on the Titans defense. Not really surprising. Uh, Titans only score 14. Um, Derrick Henry actually had a disappointing day. Now, um, I want to know, does this raise any concerns for you? Um facing one of the worst run defenses there is in the Green Bay Packers. Um, are you concerned about Derrick Henry at all? I mean, it's snow game. There's, a you know, game flow. They got down early. There's not a lot of reason to to blame that on, on Derrick Henry. I think people are judging him too harshly. He also averaged 4.3 yards per carry. Not, not awful. He ran the ball 23 times. Normally doesn't get too involved in the passing game anyway so i don't know that there's much to judge here other than the owners that had him in week 16 while everybody else is going nuts around the nfl camara scoring six tds uh adams right in the same game has got three tds and you know 150 yards or whatever here's derrick henry everybody's savior that that owns him in week 16 and, and he drops you know nine 98 yards and it's just it was a big bummer i actually in the throne league um, the fantasy football throne league, which is essentially what we like to consider, at least we do the biggest fantasy football expert league on Instagram. Um, I had Dalvin cook did virtually, you know, mediocre, uh, Patrick Mahomes did super mediocre, uh, Derek Henry, absolutely mediocre and DK Metcalf did virtually nothing. Like I had some of the biggest guns you could have going into that week 16 and all of them together crapped the bed for us. And it was just a huge bummer. So I feel people's pain with Henry. Um, I felt it like times four with all those big guns doing nothing. But you got to move on, and you can't hold on to you know one week. They don't they they don't necessarily care or are mindful of you know our fantasy football uh, championship week and everything. And I get that. Um, I think it's disrespectful when players like Brandon Jacobs or Brandon Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, take it a whole step further and start flipping off fans and telling people you know, F your fantasy, screw your fantasy, you know, like th that's, a, that's totally out of line. And I, I totally lost a lot of respect for Jacobs when he did that on, on Instagram and on Twitter. But like, you know, you can't blame a, a player for not caring so much about fantasy and being more into NFL. And I think that when people start judging players off of one week or they start, you know, assuming they won't be good next year because of one week, they're just going to get themselves in trouble when it comes to draft, you know, drafting these guys. Right. No, I agree. I feel like what Jacobs did was um, definitely disrespectful for sure. Um, I'm trying to find the one tweet I made about Josh Jacobs, but I had like a very interesting take a little while back about this. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, it was just really, really pitiful. 
of him. And, and he's one of the biggest like bus candidates for 2021 already for me. And, and a lot of people that follow me closely, they'll say things like Smitty, you were on, uh, on the Josh Jacobs, you know, uh, bandwagon heading into 2020 drafts. And like, you know, you're totally just wishy-washy, you know, being wishy-washy on this, but like, number one, we all adjust and adapt. We have new information. Like I can like, I've been, I was the biggest um, anti Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, um, and and several others uh, uh, analysts that you could find out there, like documented content on stay away from Joe Mixon. He's going to bust on you. Stay away from Miles Sanders. He's going to bust on you. But now I'm talking about how Miles Sanders is a pretty good value heading into 2021. The team let everybody down in week 16. Hertz let everybody down in week 16. Uh, Peterson and that offense, that coaching staff, I believe they, they need new coaching. That's going to be the big, you know, difference maker there. Uh, getting the new staff in there that believes in Hertz, that believes in in Sanders. But just because I, I switch based on ADP and value doesn't make me a flip-flopper of any kind. And so Sanders is one of the guys I really like heading into 20. 21 if his value stays very reasonable um i forget where we were even going on this topic i get sidetracked sometimes what was the oh jacobs so jacobs is one of my biggest bus candidates heading into 2021 and it doesn't fully have to do with the fact that i got in a beef with him over it because he blocked me on social media because i was blasting him for his behavior and and some people are like you're just mad because he blocked you and it's like you know what Part of that has to do with, yeah, of course I'm, I'm, I'm like going to be reactive to it, but it's also the fact that he's not focused. Like look at Juju Smith-Schuster and all of his dancing and antics and, you know, drafting in fantasy football with analysts and stuff like, like he's not focused at all. Like there's a correlation between your off the field behavior, where your headspace is at. And Jacobs to me, if you mix that in the fact that he's threatening to fight people on Instagram and Twitter, he says, meet me at the stadium meet me at the stadium. He like tweeted out and did Instagram posts on like the address to the stadium. And people are like F you because he kept saying, you know, F your fantasy. And, you know, before you know it, he's threatening to meet people at the stadium. Like that all tells me that he's not in the right headspace, you know? And then you mix in the fact that he has zero track record from college. His biggest college rushing season ever was like 600 and I don't know, 70 yards or something. No track record to be, a 1200 1400 yard rusher which is what's asked of him in the nfl level then you mix in the shoulder injury last year a bunch of lingering issues this year the fact that he gets um, phased out of games here and there game scripted out doesn't catch passes they said they're going to give him more or they they haven't really get, given him given him more receptions like he's a perfect candidate to avoid in 2021 right no you're still I, there yeah i'm oh, okay. here all right, so I f- ended up finding the Josh Jacobs tweet that I made. So uh, overall, basically what I said is I think that Josh Jacobs kind of proves that the NFL overall doesn't care about our fantasy teams as they shouldn't, but for Jacobs to just mess with us is just dumb. So that that's basically my thoughts on it. Should should they should our fantasy players or or NFL players really care about fantasy? Personally, myself, I don't think they should because in the in the end discussion of things, their job is to go out there and to play their best game of football. But should should they take it to a level where Josh Jacobs does, and then just continue to just try and uh, make us all angry and make a whole scene and stuff? I disagree. That's that's where I think yeah, the I mean, line should be there's drawn. Two, there's there's two angles here. Like one. Should they care about our fantasy and try and do well based on our fantasy? Like, no. Like, obviously, they, they're not going to go out there and say, okay, give me the ball because people drafted me more often than they drafted you. Like, no one's going to do that. But do they need to respect that the whole thing's transitioned into, like, a, a more a morphed version of, of the old NFL fan? Like, you have almost every – I would say one out of every – I don't know if it's 50% now or 30%, whatever – fans are you know they're equal part fantasy equal part like you know homer of that team and and if you're gonna dismiss people in a disrespectful way it's one thing to be indifferent be like look you know i need to focus on the game draft me if you want i think i'll do good but i can't really like worry about that like that's a total acceptable like dismissing of fantasy you know that that's a respectful way to dismiss it and we expect that but when you 
say F your fantasy, I'm not playing today, and then you play, and you did it to trick people, that's a whole, yeah, like, just like you said, it's a, a whole different level. And and anybody that defends that, saying they shouldn't care about your fantasy, why do they care about you? You think you're important. Like, you aren't even looking at what we're talking about. I just you know said in another post that they shouldn't be focused on it, but they shouldn't be disrespectful because these are the fans that help get you your contract. You know, if you don't have popularity, you're not filling seats, you know, and teams don't want you on the roster. Like, how are you going to benefit? How are you going to benefit from this? Like, you have to take care of your fans. If your fans are fantasy oriented more so than ever before, you're dumb if you think that's not going to affect your jersey sales and your bottom line. If you're not cared or caring or concerned with your fantasy fans, like whatever, think of it how you want. But it's the truth. All right. No, I completely agree. So we'll go ahead and head on to our next topic. So earlier you mentioned about how you had Mahomes and other players and how they were just kind of mediocre. So I'm just going to get into what happened to me this week. So on my DFS lineups, I played, I did a Mahomes Tyreek Hill stack and it just completely didn't do well. And I ended up losing everything in my DFS this week. But, uh, but what that really wants to bring what I really want to get this on to is the Falcons Chiefs game. This what this game was pretty insane. It was an overall low scoring game, something that you don't normally expect with the Falcons defense and the Kansas City Chiefs. You would think that they would like put up 40 points, but it wasn't the case. Uh Chiefs still win 17-14, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh Mahomes kind of disappointed overall, 19 points. You're normally used to seeing at least 25 or more. I was expecting a lot more from a Falcons team that allowed like the most passing yards per game like all season long. But I want to get I want to ask you uh what what's your outlook on the running back situation uh in Kansas City? I'll let Advocate chime in on this too. Uh what do you guys think of the uh Kansas City Chiefs running back situation heading into next year? I'll let Advocate go first. Okay, so here's what, how I see it. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, he, they they drafted him in a high spot for a reason. And Lev Bell, everyone thought of Lev Bell, a lot of analysts looking in when he first got signed, a lot of them thought that he was going to take over. And the reality was they signed him to a veteran's minimum, and he's just there as a depth piece. I mean, what championship team wouldn't take a guy like Lev Bell for $2 million a year? Reality is if they don't bring back Lev Bell, and they also don't bring back in someone else. This opens the door for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, do I expect him to be like a top three running back like uh, some of us expected to early on? No, because I don't think he's getting the receiving volume that would be warranted. But he, here's the thing. With Chiefs running backs, they've before this season, they averaged 1.72 touchdowns per game. So if he can get a if he can get that touchdown upside, along with there were games that he was getting twenty to twenty five rushes a game. He wasn't involved in the receiving game, but if he's getting twenty to twenty five rushes and uh, and goal line carries, that's all that matters. And he can be easily a top five ten running back and a guy that I would even recommend even in a dynasty situation. You could possibly buy low because if there's uncertainty in in that owner's mind based on what he saw from this year because of the injury or because of Lev Bell, they would think that he, they're, they don't believe in him. That's a perfect opportunity to buy a low on him, especially in Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, the, I'll even go one step further and say that the door wouldn't open for him. The door is – he's already got the job. Like, when he got hurt and went down, he wasn't replaced. Bell didn't take over anything. Um, he wasn't getting, like, bad uh, uh, div- divided – it'll workload up based on, you know, the three running backs that they were running out there. Like he got a good volume from that percentage or ratio. The fact is they just game scripted the entire running game out. It wasn't that he was phased out. So the concern heading into 2021 is, will we see similar usage for the running back position sporadic, um, you know, 10 carries for the main guy. It's not like the other guys are getting more or anything. It's just a bad amount of of workload being handed to, to Clyde owners. And like you said, not anything heavy in the receiving department. So that it really makes it hard for him to do well unless the touchdowns are there, which they should be there um, if, if he's the starter and he's healthy. He was in the top 10, I believe, when he went down in rushing yards per, you know, per, per game. It, he was doing okay. It, he wasn't doing anywhere close to 
where our expectation level was, but Clyde was not replaced. Like everyone keeps talking about how he's going to, you know, get a chance to get the job back or like he never lost it. And if he gets back in this thing while the playoffs are still underway and he's able to return for the last two games, keep in mind that they use the running backs heavy at the end of the year. Look at Damian Williams in 2018. He was the number two running back. I think if you include uh, the last four regular season games and two playoff games, he was the number two, I think, overall used running back in a six-game span right there. And then and then uh, Damian Williams in the Super Bowl. So it would not surprise me at all if Clyde came back and was on fire in the last game or two of, uh, of, the, of the playoffs. It's, it's just tough to say, like, what the usage is going to be. And so bottom line is it comes down, like anything, to ADP. And if Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a fourth or fifth round ADP, which he could definitely have, then I'm all in because there's a risk packaged into that baked right into his value. If we have to pay something along the lines of a late second round or even top of the third, then he's a very risky, still high upside guy, but it's a whole different ball game than a fifth rounder, late fourth rounder where he has monster, monster upside and not a whole lot of risk. Because like I said, he was 10, you know, top 10 in the league in rushing yards when he went down. Right, so this brings me on to another topic that uh, Beans, uh, Smitty's here, I wanted to talk about. Uh, Smitty is a pretty big, generally, compared to the consensus, a pretty big uh, QB early type guy. So I want to know what your thoughts and your strategy heading into 2021 is with QBs. Are you still going to stick with sort of a QB early type approach? Or has that shifted or changed at all? So this topic's funny because... um... I pretty much map it out the same way every year, but for whatever reason, it still is very confusing to people and, and people still go at me left and right on it every single year. So it's like, it's content that never changes, but I, I it never gets old because no one truly absorbs my, my angle or my thinking. on it. So it's like, it's like fresh content every year. Um, look, you're either a good, everybody's different and has different strengths as a fantasy football drafter, manager, and an owner. And when somebody says something like, you have to take a running back with your first one of your first two picks, or if you take a, a running back, running back, you're more likely to win. Or if you wait on a QB, you're more likely to win. Or if you take a QB early, you're more likely to win. Anybody that says that with a like a blanket type statement, they honestly don't know what they're talking about. Because there are some people that botch the quarterback position every single year but they land james robinson every single year you know they they have justin jefferson like they know how to land their running backs and wide receiver they got darren waller um but then they screw the quarterback position up and and what it ultimately comes down to is you can win a hundred thousand different ways and if you take patty mahomes at number 18 overall it really boils down to do you nail your third and fourth round pick do you nail your your running back too later on in the draft or if you take running back running back you have to nail your quarterback and one of your wide receivers later on like it all boils down to those other picks and people keep trying to tie it to that second round pick being pat mahomes you can't win with an early quarterback like i i won tons of teams with an early quarterback look at my throne team going all the way to the finals with patty mahomes in there i had tons of great ad drops that created trade opportunity for me so if you want to get into that, saying taking Patty Mahomes and landing some of the, the mid-range sleepers, then trading those guys to get another big-name running back, how did I end up with Patrick Mahomes, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, DK Metcalf, and Chris Godwin in a league with the spotlight on it that allows for like no trades all year long because it requires thousands of eyeballs on both communities? And we pulled off a monster trade to get Derrick Henry – with thousands involved on both sides of that trade. So there's very little trading going on this league. But because I went QB early and got Pat, Patrick Mahomes, I had that opportunity to trade into that running back spot. So my, my, my bottom line is this. I can win 100 different ways. Patrick Mahomes was one of my biggest calls that I've ever made. And you have to draft late QB to land that kind of prediction. So clearly I'm a fan of that. Josh Allen was one of my bigger predictions lately. And if you didn't go late QB shopping, you wouldn't have landed that. Now, it doesn't mean you can't go Aaron Rodgers, like 
you know, or whoever early and still land that quarterback and then make a trade later. Like, it doesn't mean you have to go QB late just because you, you try and land the next Patrick Mahomes. But I, it, the bottom line is there's no answer. You have to draft based on your strengths. Right. I feel like that's a pretty interesting take. Um, yeah, no, I agree, though. Like, the players, it's not necessarily the strategy. It's the players that make up more of it. Personally, myself, I still feel like they're... Like, I agree with you, but I still feel like you have slightly better odds if you draft more running backs or say, like, even for this year, like me and Advocate have talked about this one a lot. Uh, We really like players like Travis Kelsey heading into next year. I feel like Travis Kelsey provides too much of an advantage to ignore anymore and kind of just sweep him as a late second, early third round player. I feel like he has to at least be somewhat considered or thought about at that turn next year i want to know what your thoughts are on this do you uh would you ever consider spending say a top 14 15 pick on a tight end such as travis kelsey or or would you again would you rather kind of lean more towards like a mahomes in that situation so i tend to not take kelsey or tight end in the first round because mock draft after mock draft will tell you that you walk out of your draft going well I just look too thin to like recover from this at those other positions. It's not that Kelsey isn't worth it at that draft selection on the clock at that moment. It's just, you end up suffering dramatically. If you make them your second drafted player, you can definitely do well with that. And this goes back to the same thing as the quarterback question. It's all about how you draft. Like I could tell you the reason I didn't take Kelsey last year, which you could say is a mistake based on how great a year Kelsey did until you hear that it's Darren Waller that I dra- drafted in, you know, about 70% of my leagues. Because if you can land the next Kelsey, Darren Waller clearly is the next Travis Kelsey or Kittle or whoever you want to compare him to, then waiting on a tight end is the best approach for you, if that's your your thing. If you see and identify, and it's a, it's a case-by-case basis each year, if you don't see any of those tight ends in the in the player pool, then you have to reevaluate whether Kelsey is the guy you want to take early on. But if you felt like I did that Waller was the guy and I felt like the same thing about Hawkinson, I kind of split. If I couldn't get Waller, I'd try to get Hawkinson. Hawkinson didn't do quite as good as Waller. But if you feel like there is that guy in the pool, then you wait and you draft him and you clean up. And you, so same thing with, with Aaron Rodgers, like one of my favorite. 10th 9th 11th round picks while everybody's talking about how he's 36 years old he's an old man and tom brady's in his 40s it was it was head scratching that people were down on aaron Rodgers, walking into a year where i felt like the writing was on the wall he's gonna have one of his best years he's had in a long time um it all just depends on where you can get a play like i love aaron Rodgers value last year but i still drafted pat mahomes in the right situation like, here, here's how I decide whether I'm going Pat Mahomes, Kelsey, whoever, one of these unorthodox, quote-unquote, draft styles. You're on the clock. You you feel like every position left you're questioning. You're not – you've got as many question marks ar- around the surrounding players that are left than you do about taking a quarterback early. That's when it's safe to go Mahomes. So if you're sitting there and you're looking at Mixon, and let's say Mixon's there with Godwin, and you're like, Okay, Godwin crapped the bed all year, even though he's got so much talent. But situationally, like almost like Odell Beckham Jr., you know he's got all the talent in the world. He's bleeding talent, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to work out. If you're looking at Mixon and Odell like type players when Mahomes is on the clock and use a different version like Godwin, like I said, then why not take the guy that's the number one potential scorer in fantasy football? You know, especially in Dynasty when you can keep him for a decade. So when things get questionable in your mind and everybody's mind's different because you evaluate players different than I evaluate players, that's when it's time to strike on the most solid and secure pick you can make in fantasy football. And that's the guys can outscore everybody. Yeah, no, I like that take advocate. What's your thoughts on this? So like, like Smitty has said, it's all about how comfortable you feel and depending on how you go into a draft, I mean, realistically speaking you shouldn't go into a draft with a huge plan but you obviously have players that you're targeting and at the right spot you're going to take those so like at tight end if you had hawkinson in mind 
there's a reason you're not taking Kelsey because you feel that confident in Hawkinson that you you would rather wait on that on that tight end to go get Hawkinson. So it's a situation like that. If you feel confident in how you draft, and you're you're feeling confident in your mid round, your late round guys, and you feel like especially at the quarterback and tight end slot, then if you feel confident in like two of those guys, one at each position, then yes, a quarterback and a tight end early seems like not the most ideal option because you believe in those players that much. So ideally, yes, drafting an early tight end. So Travis Kelsey, for a positional advantage, he's a great option. Don't get me wrong. But like Smitty said, if you look at that mock draft and you see Travis Kelsey in, as your first pick, you're going to be frightened because what is your running back to or what is your wide receiver two going to be looking like? It's not going to be looking good. So if you can wait – so. That's why people say to wait, but if you have a player in mind, then by all means, it, it you should be waiting because you feel that confident in that player that they're going to be the next version or be an early round pick of next year, like a Mahomes was, like a Jackson was years prior. So that's what I would say. Where would was DK Metcalf ADP last year? Roughly, it was like the uh, what, I think fifth, fifth round, yeah, fifth, sometime. sixth, fourth. Some, so some here, here's here's my example of everybody that's a QB early hater out there is. When I was making these arguments with people in the offseason, they're like, Smitty, why would you go Mahomes? Like, I drafted him in the throne league. Why, you know, why would you do that? But right, we can only speak about it in the past because nobody has the same predictions for the future, so it's hard to do that. But if you look at where someone's drafting a quarterback, even if they may not take him in the fifth, like, but Russell Wilson, whoever they're going to pick in the fifth, sixth round, and you say to yourself, DK Metcalf and Mahomes versus – the wide receiver you're taking where I'm taking Mahomes and your quarterback. Like it literally falls upon those other two players. It's Mahomes. And if I land DK versus the quarterback you take, that's supposed to be, you know, great value and you're not reaching at all. And if you land the wide receiver in the second round, it's like so simple. It's the most simple like thing in the world to break down, but yet people have such a problem with it. And all they can do is hang on to the fact that the quarterback's, oftentimes have close scoring but you're not drafting Mahomes in the second round if you think he's going to close score close to all the other quarterbacks you're clearly a believer that he's going to throw 50 touchdowns that year or 48 touchdowns or 47 which he may not do for one or two years in a row and I think like a cycle he's going to come back around and he's going to have some season in the future whether it's next year or the year after where he breaks every record he's ever already set and that's the kind of player he is. So if you believe that's the year he's going to do it, and you see a player like DK Metcalf, this year's version of DK, like CeeDee Lamb, for example, you can you can clip this, and we'll talk about it later. I'll take Mahomes in the second round and CeeDee Lamb any day over your wide receiver and quarterback. You know, that that's how I roll. Um, other, other wide receiver, you know, like, that, that's just, that's the best way to explain it is, is, is just the landing that second rounder and landing, you know, your, your pick later or whatever. Right. Makes sense for me. So another thing that I want to get into beans, we already kind of touched on uh, Josh Jacobs, who was um, uh, what we mentioned about him. Uh, I also wanted to, so you guys are basically saying that any strategy can work regardless of players. Uh, however, I do want to kind of bring up, it's not a great argument, but it's an argument nonetheless uh, for going against this, I feel like uh, if you that uh, fantasy football analysts, players, etc., we have the potential to shrink the player pool to too small of a number. Sometimes, um, I feel like the best example of this, and I'm just gonna say it, is the counselor. Uh, he he literally has like six players he likes in the first four rounds, and that's the only guys he'll take. I feel like that could be heavily damaging sometimes where uh, I want I want to get your guys' take on this. Do you how much would you guys shrink the player pool? Would you go to a level a level that the counselor does where he has like two two running backs for each of the first three rounds or so and then like a a possible receiver play or are you guys just more or less going to be kind of like me where it's just I have certain players I avoid and everybody else is kind of fine. I mean, I, I say why play the game at all if you're going to go in with this, like, cemented in strategy, like, take these six players or don't, you know, like, why not just let let someone like that draft for you, period? Why 
why even do it? <laughs> why show up if you're actually going to just go off with this blueprint, you know, and not use your gut, not use some, you know, I'd rather enjoy fantasy football and, and lose on some big swing than to just like, you know, play somebody else's player, favorite players and draft guys. I hate, you know, and, and go against my gut and stuff like that. So honestly, every year is different. Um, players move around in my mindset all the time. And, and like I said earlier at the top of the podcast, it, a lot of it depends on ADP, like Miles Sanders, I completely avoided. And, and, and not that I didn't have misses last year. Um, I had, I had a lot of them. We all do, but, but that was completely right. Like Miles Sanders literally crapped the bed for the value you spent, you know, same thing with Fournette. Um, and people have such quick or short memories. They forget that in January and February is a top 14 overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And everybody roasted me for saying that he was the biggest bust, him and Mixon for 2020 um, heading into January, February, March, because he came off a 70 reception season. How could he be a bust? Are you crazy? And then slowly, slowly things started to unravel for him. ADP changes everything. And so, you know, a guy like Sanders could get back in my good graces. I might be drafting him a lot next year. It just depends on his ADP. And, and so my advice to anybody is not to go in with a set six players, not to go into a, a round and say I'm grabbing the best available running back. What fun is that? That's horrible. That's That sounds like an awful way to draft a team. I would not enjoy my team at all if I was like, I'm getting a running back, whichever one you choose for me. <laughs> like, you're, that's like tiers. I like tiers in a sense, but when you draft just out of a tier, what fun is that? Just give me their leftovers. Like you control my destiny. Give me the fourth running back out of these four that's left. Like, I don't like that. It take the best player available at every single pick and whether that creates a void at your running back two, you know, within reason, but whether that creates a void at your running back two or not, you'll address it. You'll have such a stacked quarterback running back one and wide receiver one and two and tight end or whatever that you'll be okay having a weak running back too, and you'll work the waiver wire. Um, definitely, you know, make sure you play to your strengths if you can. And then maybe you scoop up the next James Robinson. Then what's your team look like? You didn't compromise at any other place. You're stacked everywhere. And then you landed James Robinson for your running back too. Now you win your league landslide style. Right. No, no, I, I agree with that entirely. But yeah, my, my personal style of drafting is not necessarily like I like, like I am like, pretty much the complete opposite of the counselor okay the counselor will come out with like he, he's like base i'll basically sum up what his first three rounds was like it was barkley jacobs Gurley, and david johnson and thinking back on it that's probably the worst running back list you could find his receiver pick was uh kenny galladay which was terrible and well who was his qb of the year i can't remember I know last year it, it was like Matt Ryan. When you get dropped on your when you get dropped on your head when you're younger, it tends to change your thinking, bro. I mean, let's not <laughs> let's uh, let's understand it for what it is. He he's an entertainer, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, if you you could go off his advice for a year and then come back and tell me if you're gonna you're gonna follow it again the next year. <laughs> no, I won't. Yeah, but my my personal not, not, not you. I'm saying anybody. Right. No, my my personal strategy is like the counselor where with his like draft these players list but it's for me a do not draft these players list like i like like you mentioned fournette so a lot i know on twitter a lot that a lot of people were talking about hey leonard fournette is a value and it, it was like going in the third round and i think it was like june or july when i was dispute when i was arguing with people about this i i didn't like leonard fournette at all he was one of the guys that i was heavily avoiding I can mention a couple mid-round receivers that I was completely avoiding. I didn't like T.Y. Houghton. I didn't like A.J. Green. Um, I have I had a whole list. I don't have it in front of me or anything. I'm just going off the top of my head. But this is this is how I draft. Is I just have certain players where things just seem to go completely downhill. They seem like they're trending in the wrong direction and and or they're overdrafted. And I just make a list. Mm -hmm. In each round of guys that I'm avoiding and where I'd actually take them, and then I just kind of go from there. And like you said, though, I feel like it's good to have fun with it. So if you want to take a shot on some some guy like like this was a complete miss, but I really liked Michael Hardman. I felt like Michael Hardman as the wide receiver two on the Chiefs could do something, but it just didn't turn out to be that way. But again, at the end of the day, we had fun 
taking Nicole Hardman in the 8th to 11th, 12th round whenever we took him. And that's that's what's important is don't make like the whole goal of getting into fantasy is to have fun. If you make it where it's only about trying to like you like you're depressed if you don't win, you're probably taking a little too far. Just have fun, set your lineups, make your trades, have fun with it. And it's the same. Yeah. I, I agree. That's the same thing that should be going um, on with drafting. I'm going to have to let, let you guys go at this point. Um, but I appreciate you have me on and, uh, and we'll do it again soon. Uh, just let me know when you guys are, are doing another podcast. Uh, kind of, I'd say let's let the season end and then uh, hit me back up. All right. Sounds good, man. Sure. Hey, I appreciate Appreciate it guys. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so that was Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show. You can find his Instagram at the Fantasy Football Show on Instagram. I believe he also has YouTube, Twitter as well, so you can check him out. I believe he has about the same, the same username for all of them. So uh, be sure to check him out. Give him a follow. Uh, me and Advocate are going to go over the rest of the games. Uh, Beans, it's week sixteen and it's Championship Week. We will be skipping waiver wire and. That's pretty much how the rest of the show is going to go for now. I mean, what's what's happening? I mean, I kind of hopped in this a little late. Um, I, I heard y'all talk about Josh Jacobs and Miles um, Sanders a little bit, and the, so I, I mean, so basically, basically, what was happening is it's pretty simple. So we started like talking about certain games, and it just turned into a whole conversation about different players and our thoughts on them. And, for especially heading into next year beans this is a week 16 show i feel like it's i feel like it's beneficial to our listeners to kind of feel like what our current very early takes would be uh hitting into certain guys in a week or not the week but next season absolutely so i think we should start out i don't know what games you all have covered but i think for the most part it would just be to skim through some of the players we like from each of these games because i mean week 16 is an interesting week because Samaje Piran was a top scorer, and if you, by some grace of God, started Samaje Piran, he was going to win you a league. It's it's interesting to see because we're looking at some of these guys for the future. Obviously, like a DeAndre Swift, we were hoping DeAndre Swift kind of broke out in this game. Turns out he didn't really do that. Um, guys like Jamison Crowder, Jamison Crowder had a thirty point game like he did in the first few weeks, and that was huge for a lot of fantasy teams. If you would have had that, if you would have had him, Kamara, and Evans. It would have been over for the other team, so it's it's good. And I I do want to talk a lot about 2021. So if you want to get into some of that, I mean, I ended up putting out a post, and I don't I kind of want to get your opinions on it. We'll obviously talk about it a little bit. So if you want to start out with that, all right. Let me let me see, go ahead and see your post real quick. So I'll go ahead and say the first one just because I kind of want or I'll, I'll kind of start it off. So I did early fantasy football predictions. Now these are not bold predictions. This is just what I think could happen as of right now, which is so four hours ago, December 28th, the fantasy season doesn't start till August and even September. So the first, the first one I have, and I kind of want your opinion on it is Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville leads an explosive offense with Chark and the company like Chenault and then finishes as a top eight quarterback. That's actually really interesting, but I, I like it. I feel like it's, um, in my opinion, I think it's a little bit bold, but you know, we know Trevor Lawrence Seems to be a really good QB. Uh, surprisingly, though, is something that isn't talked about. Like you, like you mentioned, is Jacksonville actually does have weapons. They like nobody seems to talk about it, but the Jacksonville does. They have DJ Chart. They have Lavishka Sanal. They have James Robinson. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, and if James Robinson can sustain what he did this year, next year. But again, if Trevor Lawrence is on the team, I kind of like this prediction. I feel like there's a decent chance it could happen. And that was something that, like, obviously when I'm making these, I'm kind of just going general base because you obviously don't want to go into it too much because it's December. Like, we're not – we don't really know everything that's going on because, I mean, for all we know, the Jags could trade this pick. Will that happen? Absolutely not. They've confirmed the number one pick, and they're going to be drafting Trevor Lawrence in April. But this is something fun to think about. I mean, you have Trevor Lawrence. You have James Robinson, although he's not going to get the same high usage rate that he is. So we can even get into that whole discussion. That's obvious. Yeah, that's that's my third go, take. Let's go ahead and just hop right into this. So uh, for those of you who have listened before, uh, 
if you recall, I can't remember which episode number it was, but I remember comparing James Robinson to a player like Justin Fournette. So if we remember, Justin Fournette was like undrafted or set, ver- four set. Yeah, four set. Uh, four set was like undrafted. He just showed up on the Ravens, ended up getting the starting job because that's just it just ended up working out to be that way. Played very well, was like a was like a top ten running back that year. Next year, highly overdrafted, and Fournette just completely fell apart. Um, and your your third uh, fantasy football prediction for twenty twenty one is that James Robinson loses the highest RB usage rate in the NFL and doesn't finish as a top fifteen running back. And you know what? I I kind of I somewhat agree with you. I feel like James Robinson is somebody that we is really interesting to talk about. Like you said, highest usage rate in the NFL, but again, it some about it to me just it, it just reminds me a little too much of Justin Fournette. So that's always going to be in the back of my mind and I'm going to be kind of second guessing myself anytime I pick this man. Is he going to be on my do not draft list uh next year? Like I've mentioned earlier, this is how I do things. I just make a list of players I target and avoid in each rounds kind of deal. Is it going to be on that list? Maybe. We're we're not sure yet. It depends on where the ADP lands. For me, I I think a huge thing is there's going to be a new coaching staff. There's going to be a new GM. Reality is James Robinson's talented. We know this. However, we do see from time to time there's running backs who come in, produce for a year, and then kind of just – Sail off. I mean, there's too many n- names to name, but Justin's four set. Um, Jeremy Langford is another one. Um, Jordan Howard kind of had like two good years and kind of fell off. Um, just to name a few. And we're looking at guys like if you're looking at guys who kind of emerged this year, guys like Wayne Gallman, guys like Miles Gaskin, guys like James Robinson, you kind of need to know the ins and outs of these players because are their situations going to change with a new coaching regime? Are, are they really that talented or is this something that could be a failure at like, it, and they could be drafting a whole nother running back. We, I mean, we saw this with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. So that's something to keep in mind. So here's, here's where I stand with James Robinson. He has the highest opportunity share in the entire league at 85.2%. That is number one in the NFL. The next highest who played more than 12 games is Dalvin cook at 74%. Before this game, at the running back position for the Jaguars, not a single Jags running back had a carry for five weeks besides James Robinson. It shouldn't, like, that is that is usage we will never see again out of James Robinson, no matter what they do. If they draft a guy in the fifth round, they're going to use him at least. So here's the thing with James Robinson. So that's how I feel. Um, do I think it's possible that he still finishes as a top 10 guy? Yes. Do I have him on my do not draft list? Absolutely not. But if his ADP is in the first round, I'm sorry, I'm not taking that. Yeah, no, I agree. Would I take him as kind of a risky second, maybe third, as to to go to, say, like a heavy running back strategy, right? Say you take running backs first couple rounds, and he is there in the third. Would I consider it? Of course, because he's your third running back at that point. If, if James Robinson can be your third running back, I would take that all day long. There's no reason not to. He, ha- he still has the upside. But again, it's just, it, the question is, is his usage gonna is his usage going to decrease? Is it gonna kind of reduce back to what it would have been if, say, Raquel Armstead didn't have COVID related issues, or if Leonard Fournette didn't get traded? Right. Obviously, he did. But let let's be honest. What would what would James Robinson's uh, year look like if Raquel Armstead actually played it all this year? Yeah, that's something to consider. And also keep this in mind. There were a lot of Leonard Fournette. I was personally, and I'm going to say this, I was a Leonard Fournette truther. But keep in mind, if Leonard Fournette would have stayed on this team, obviously he got re- he, he got released, not because of the talent. I mean, kind of. But he got released um, because of all the situation, all the toxicity in the, in the locker room. If he would have still played and had this opportunity to share, Leonard Fournette would have been a top 10 running back. There's no doubt about it. James Robinson is five. Do I think Robinson's just as good as Fournette? Yes. However, you got to look at it in the grand scheme of things. If he has the same opportunity share as Leonard Fournette, realistically, we're looking at a top 10 running back. So that's it's something to keep in mind. The usage rate was at an all-time high. It was higher than Leonard Fournette's last year. So, And Leonard Fournette finishes the RB7 with only three touchdowns. So to put that into perspective, the usage 
is going to come down, and that's something that we need to be wearied of. So that's all I'll say for now. I don't have him on my do not draft list, but it's somebody it's something to keep in mind going into next year. He might be drafted a little too high. What I take, and we we can even do a discussion. Would you rather have Joe Mixon or James Robinson? Um, I'm I'm not too sure of an answer yet, but at the moment, this this is this is actually a really tough one. I'm gonna say it's actually like really even, but if I had to pick one just for the sake of it, I'd probably say James Robinson actually. Wow, that's interesting. So. I am all aboard, and you you guys can hear me first. If Joe Mixon gets drafted in the third round, I am all aboard the Joe Mixon train. And that is, you heard it on air. You can come after me later. Joe Mixon in the third round is an absolute steal. Now, he does have injury concerns. You've heard this about this. I'm not the one to worry about in injuries if the injuries are not related to each other. If the injuries were, were because he rushed back on the field, I'm not, in, I'm not like, I'm not worried about it. Dalvin Cook last year, for example, he had a knee injury and then he had an ankle issue. So that was something to worry about. But going into this year, it was an ankle to a shoulder injury. Those are not related to each other. So that's where I feel that he's basically, James Robinson is, is he's a high usage guy, but Joe Mixon could easily take him over. So I would say James, or I would say Joe Mixon. Interesting. And so if you want to go over the last three and then we'll wrap up the show. All right. So last last three. So this one. Oh wait, let's see. All right. This one's this one's a good one. Uh T. Higgins, uh, with a full season of Burrow finishes a top twelve wide receiver in twenty twenty one. I actually agree with this a lot. I, I love uh T. Higgins. I really liked him this year, and I, I think I'll like him even more with another year under Burrow. Uh, number one, it's likely that we see a, him for a full season with, with uh, Higgins and Burrow together. Uh, second, I feel like Joe Burrow, uh, even with as good as he played this year, um, I feel like he, there's still even more room for improvement. So, no, I agree with this completely. Plus, another thing is that A.J. Green, we have no clue what's going to happen with this. Is does, does the team end up releasing him? What what happens with A.J. Green next year? Um Personally, myself, I feel like AJ Green isn't going to be on the Bengals a whole lot longer. And as soon as that happens, T. Higgins and Tyra Boyd are the top two receivers on the team. As if, it, let's be honest though, they're they're basically the top two receivers on the team right now. But AJ Green's target share kind of just feeds into them too. And I feel like, yeah, no, I agree. Bengals offense could be really good. More targets for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Joe Burrow could take a step up. Joe Mixon returns. Running game could be back on point. We could see the Bengals be actually. Let's just be honest. We could just see the Bengals become a top ten offense. Absolutely, and something I do want to point out with T. Higgins really quickly before we move into the next two is, I mean, T. Higgins didn't even get going for the first few weeks and then kind of bursted onto the scene. This year, he was the wide receiver thirty, and now that doesn't look too great. However, you got to keep in mind these last few weeks have been with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley. And the weeks before, weeks one and two, he was barely on the field, as well as week three. We didn't even mention him as a waiver wire pickup until around week five. So realistically speaking, with T. Higgins, he has eight, probably eight weeks of major production before um, Joe Burrow did go down with an injury. So within eight weeks, he basically finished as a wide receiver three. So in reality, there is no A.J. Green at all, which helps. You have Joe Burrow, who Joe Burrow... It's going to be less mobile, but they're going to draft an offensive lineman, and if they don't, I'm coming for their heads. But if if they take care of Joe Burrow, get him more time in the pocket, T. Higgins is that guy who, I mean, he's not Jamar Chase, but he was, that's a, the most similar comparison I can give to how Joe Burrow operates. I mean, he wears 85. is a lot like Ocho Cinco um, in Cincinnati. So that's something I, I love. T. Higgins is going to be undervalued this year. And T. Higgins is one of my guys that I absolutely love coming into the year, along with Cortland Sutton, depending on their ADP. Again, everything depends on ADP. However, T. Higgins is a guy I absolutely love. Right. No, no, I completely agree. I can easily see myself uh, taking T. Higgins a lot next year. There, There's nothing but pure upside potential. Like, like you mentioned, though, I, I can't remember 
But again, I'm just going to say back back a few podcasts back. At one point, we were recommending him as a waiver wire pickup. And during this time, he was what? Like a top 10 receiver during a, a short week span when he actually was involved in the offense with Burrow. Again, like there's no reason we can't see this next year. It's definitely not out of the possibility. Absolutely. And then the next two are mainly rookie ones. So I'll go and take, uh, if you want to talk, uh, if you want to say those topics, then I'll kind of get into them because obviously I'm kind of more in the known for those. Right. But again, uh, I will be doing my research. We will have lots of like dynasty rookie type stuff here, hopefully here in the next couple weeks or so. Uh, and in on my Instagram, we're going to do a bunch of polls and Instagram awards and stuff like that. But for now, this, we're just going to go into this one. So first take by Fantasy Football Advocate is Najee Harris to Pittsburgh happens and he finishes the top rookie RB in Fantasy 2021. Okay, so um, obviously I've, I'm, I've been a guy. Um, I don't really I study a lot of college football, but it's mainly just because I enjoy watching college football. Um, it's not just Alabama and all that. Like on Saturdays, Saturdays are for the boys, but it's also for college football. So, I mean, you're basically, you. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a UF fan, but also a USF fan, so I got to watch those. Then you obviously have your Pac-12 game. You, you, ha- you have multiple games that you're watching, so you kind of w- w- see some of these guys. And Najee Harris has looked like a beast. Najee Harris is a guy, he's almost like Derrick Henry in a sense. He's 6'2", he's 230. He's s- subtly fast. I mean, Derrick Henry probably run a four, like a low 4'4", four, four, or sorry, not a low 4'4", four, four, like a high 4'4", four, four if he wanted to. Najee Harris is the same way. Najee Harris isn't as built as Henry, so I think if he has a similar play style to Henry, he could get injured, not fast, but he could wear down. However, he is perfectly built for a Steelers ground-and-pound scheme that they've wanted to do, but the reality is James Conner just doesn't provide that. And James Conner's a free agent this year. Do Do they turn to Benny Snell? Do they turn to Anthony McFarlane? That's a possibility, but Najee Harris in the second round, and you want to establish that ground and pound once again, it's something that I could see happen. And if he, reality is, if any of these three running backs land in Pittsburgh, I feel like it's a good scenario for him. And I think they could finish as a top running back. And those three are Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and, um, and Javante Williams, uh, along with Kenneth Gainwell. I don't think he's that good. Uh, he's as good as the top three, but Kenny Gainwell is well in the right situation. All right. No, I like that take. And then we'll head on to the last one. It is whatever rookie wide receiver gets drafted by the Detroit Lions in the first round has the best fantasy wide receiver finish out of the rookies. Okay, so um, I know there's a lot of talk about um, where the wide receivers are going, and I, I want to paint a picture for you. Um, I don't I don't know if you know this, but Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are both free agents this offseason. Obviously, the Lions could go in a different direction. Completely. They could go quarterback um, to re- uh, to basically rebuild. They could go corner. They could go linebacker. But reality is, if they let either Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones walk, there's a high likelihood that they take a wide receiver. Now, the wide receivers that are going to be available, I don't think Jamar Chase is on the board. Um, so they will have their pick between Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, and Terrence Marshall. Those are the guys that I have after him. And then, obviously, there's the next tier of Amon, Saint, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Kadarius, Tony. But reality is, if Devontae Smith lands in Detroit, he's a lot like Justin Jefferson. He commands targets. Um, he's a guy who's a little nimble, but the game has gotten more mobile um, in the sense of it's not as physical. It's more speed. So if you have a guy who can run routes at an insane clip, who's proven in college, he might honestly win the Heisman this year alongside of Matthew Stafford, and you give – you get another weapon maybe in the third round. You could even develop Quintez Cephas. However, Devontae Smith is a perfect fit for the Lions. And re- really, any wide receiver who's good at route running, whether it is Terrence Marshall or Rashad Bateman or Alone Ross St. Brown, if they get drafted by the Lions with that opportunity, because I don't think Kenny Galladay resigns, that is a perfect fit for him. And I think they could finish as a top wide receiver over a Jamar Chase to Philadelphia. Because I think a Jamar Chase to Philadelphia, yes, we complain about the the guys that are there, and yes, they're not that good, but they spread that ball out, and Gal- Dallas Goddard will still be involved. Jalen Rager will still be involved, and Miles Sanders out of the backfield, too. If they have Jalen Hurts there, they're going to run design runs, so there's not going to be a lot of targets there. If the Lions get a wide receiver, they're going to be in good shape, and he might be the wide receiver one on the team or a wide receiver two next to Marvin Jones and Hawkinson, and he's still going to be a top 30 to 40 guy. 
All right, all right. I like it. So one more thing, though. Remember whenever, like like a few minutes ago, how you were talking uh, Saturdays are for the boys, but also for college football? I feel like we need to just slap that on a T-shirt, sell it for like $15. You know what? I might have to. You know what? I'm going to quote that in my – once we post the podcast – uh, I'm going to definitely quote it and be Saturdays are for the boys, but Saturdays are also for college football. We're getting that on a shirt and I'm trademarking that. Hold on. Let me see if that's trademarked. We're actually going to trademark this live. I'm just kidding, but that's actually perfect. But I, I encourage you guys, if you guys haven't watched college football, um, if you don't watch college football that much, watch some of these bowl games because you're going to see guys as dig scores another touchdown. You're going to see guys just kind of like really do well. Um, and like, obviously they do well because they're playing in college competition, but Najee Harris looks like a beast and you get to get a sneak peek of what these guys do and make your own opinion because there's guys who don't really like Najee Harris that much. There's guys who think Najee Harris is the best running back in this class. So you get to form your own opinion and not really listen to any, any of the analysts that do it. You do your own research and it's a lot, it's a lot more personalized than let's say if you're looking at an expert or if you're looking at an expert's top 10 sheet that's not gonna that's that's that doesn't really do anything for you because you don't know the scheme fit you don't know how it's going to work in another in an nfl roster so reality is if you do your own research look at some analytics but also do your own film and do your own research because at the end of the day you a you'll enjoy if you want if you love nfl football college football is just as electrifying offensively it's not great defensively but offensively it's fantastic so if you want to watch that and get your own perspective on some of these guys by all means i encourage you to do that all right so that's going to cover all our topics for today we're gonna end the show we're gonna try and make it slightly shorter than the normal episodes um so real quick uh advocate where can they find you so they can find me at fantasy football advocate um i've about to hit 2500 followers on instagram obviously going to get into twitter um a little bit as well at at advocate fantasy and yeah make sure to stay stay tuned especially to me and uh zach we're going to be doing dynasty content we're going to be doing everything and um yeah make sure you stay tuned it's going to be it's going to be a great off season and click away we're we're going to continue this all right and then you guys can find me on instagram at sack attack underscore fantasy football you can find me on Twitter at Sacatech underscore FF. You can also find me under that same username on both TikTok and Facebook. Uh, I'm just going to say we have huge plans heading uh, into 2021. Uh, webcam was bought. YouTube is going to be here in 2021. Live streams are going to be here in 2021. Draft guide, you name it. I've gotten slightly a little bit more free time as of late. And I'm going to try and take advantage of this to build up the brand as much as possible for 2021. Um, just want to say a quick thanks to all of the listeners. Uh, we're going to go keyword Smitty for this episode. Uh, because of Actually, our wait, sp- hold on, hold on. I think we should do the quote. I think we should do Saturdays are for the boys, but Saturdays also for college football. Actually, you, you know type what? that. Yeah. If you type that in the chat, you automatically, you're yeah. getting a shout out because reality is Saturdays are for the boys, but it's also for college football. Yeah, all right, so we'll, we'll change that. We'll go with that. That's our keyword. DM us that, either me or Advocate, and we'll give you a shout-out on the story. Uh, I want to say thank you guys for listening, and that will be all. And good night.